Morning, Calvary family. It's good to worship with you today. Welcome to our online family as well. Thankful for you and praying for each and every one of you today. Uh, this morning, we're going to finish up our Redeeming the Time series. We started that before Christmas, if you'll remember. And, and we started that because the whole message of Jesus is about God redeeming the time. So what a great season it was at Christmas to focus on that. Um, to realize the importance of Christ. And then we shifted for the month of January into some practical steps in how you as a person, as a Christian, can be active in redeeming the time. Uh, next week, we're going to do something funny. Uh, we're going to start a new series called Bloom, but we're going to go back to a book that I actually looked at uh, at the beginning of the whole pandemic thing in 2020. Matter of fact, as I was going through my notes, I was looking at the, uh, the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And uh, in the summer of 2020, we went through together the book of 1 Peter. And so I was asking someone about that. Hey, what would you think about that series? Um, because I have a reason for going back there. And they said, what series? <laughs> Which, number one, is humbling to you as a preacher. But number two, it also helps you realize that there's been such this sense of overwhelming stress on people that literally a lot of people, we're just trying to get through the season of life to the next season to redeem the time. That, that we need an inspirational word of hope each week and then we're kind of moving on throughout the week or throughout the month. It's been that challenging. That's the reality. It's been that challenging for you, the people of Calvary, for those of you online, um, for the entire world. And so we're going to go back to 1 Peter next week. We're going to start that and we're going to talk about what it means to bloom. Um, one of the things, a great lesson of life is that if you can learn to bloom where you're planted, if you can learn to grow in the environment in which God has placed you, then you genuinely can thrive as a person, as a believer, because nothing's perfect for anyone. Did you get that? Nothing's perfect for anyone. But learning how to live as a Christian, to overcome, to be able to thrive and bloom wherever it is God's placed you. Now that's a skill set. And First Peter talks to the church. The reason we're going back there to Simon Peter's first letter and then the second letter, we're going to go straight through. The reason we're going to do that this spring is the driving thrust for my heart this year has been in 2022, hoping that all things would change, but even if they don't, What's the number one thing that's in my heart? And that is to help the church of Jesus Christ get back to health. And that's you. The people of God, the followers of Christ, those who are seeking to grow in their relationship with God and be able to face all the stuff in this world. How do you become healthy as a believer? How do you become healthy as a Christian? And so we're going to go back uh, to 1 Peter next week. We're going to walk through that until we're done. 1 Peter and 2 Peter. So I'm pretty excited about that. 
But that follows up immediately and strategically this series on redeeming the time. And today I want to give you the last principle of how you can be involved actively as a person this year in 2022, redeeming the time that you have. Now, what were the practical steps? First of all, it all begins with your relationship with God. So if you will spend time growing in your relationship with God, you can become a healthy person, a healthy believer. But if you neglect your relationship with the Lord, nothing else lines up. It just never will. Because if you're not growing in your relationship with God, it's like any other relationship in life. If you're not investing into the most important relationships in your life, regardless of how much time it costs you or finance it costs you or energy it costs you, something that you care about, you invest in. And when you invest in those things, they grow. They get a better outcome than they would had you not invested in that. Your relationship with the Lord is the same. To invest in your relationship with God, to draw near to God means what? God will draw near to you. And that was principle number one on redeeming the time. Learning to draw near to God. We also talked about the power of hope. Haven't you enjoyed the reality of people in this season of life who give you hope? I was watching the news this week, and I know many of you do, and you follow things on social media and stuff. And, and every time I watch it now today, I just get discouraged. You don't find any good news in the news. I'm, any's a strong word, but you know what I'm saying. Like, the more you watch it, the more you get discouraged. And, and by the way, it doesn't matter what your background is. <laughs> all backgrounds, all belief systems, it's just discouraging. And the reality is, sometimes when we're looking to the world, we're trying to find the message of hope in a place that can't give it, in people that can't give it. You get your hope in your relationship with the Lord. And Pastor Bo did a wonderful job of explaining that as a principle of redeeming the time. You want to cling to the words of hope, and they come from the gospel. We talked about, thirdly, how do you redeem the time? You get a God-given vision for your life. One of the greatest challenges for most people in the world is they have no vision. They have no picture of what they're trying to achieve or an outcome, much less a God-given vision. God, how do you want me to honor you with what you've given me? When you get a God-given vision for your life and what he's given for you, you then find great purpose and fulfillment in what you do with your time. It's no secret because it's not that you get X job or X degree or you have X relationship and therefore your life is complete. No, everybody has challenges. Every season of life has challenges, but you are able to thrive in the midst of them when you see God's vision for it, when you have purpose in the things that are right in front of you. A God-given vision will allow you to redeem the time. Last week, we talked practically about finances, and God makes a promise. If you honor me with your finances, specifically and clearly, he says, with the tithes and offerings, Malachi 3.10, if you will trust me, it's all an issue of trust, and it's all an issue of your relationship with him. If you will trust me and you will honor me with this, then, God says, you can test me in this, and the result of the test is you will get an A on the test if you trust God with your finances, your tithes and offering. And what's the A? I will open up the windows of heaven, 
Literally, it's like God saying, let me roll back the skies and let me pour out on you a blessing that you can't even understand or contain. That is how you redeem the time. How we use our money and how we use our finances is a very practical principle of using our time well. We will spend money on what we love all the time. So God says, just a fraction of the resource that I've entrusted to you, will you trust me with it so that I can bless the rest of what you have and more? Redeeming the time. Today is the last one. And very simply, I think about how do you put all of this into practice? How do you, how do you genuinely put all of these principles into practice so that in 2022, you as a Christian, as someone seeking to become a better person, perhaps, maybe that's your motive, or, or maybe you just want to see life work a little better than it has the last couple of years. How do you do that? And the way in which you put all of this to practice is not complicated. You do it in the body of Christ, the church. Your commitment to working out your faith within the body of Christ with people who are committed to Jesus, who are learning and working out their relationship with Jesus as well in his word, your commitment to being engaged, involved, connected to that part of the body of Christ, wherever it is you may live or wherever it is you may do life, being involved in the body of Christ is very clearly how you redeem the time always. This has always been true for the people of God throughout all of Scripture. How they connect together, grow together, do life together, and grow in the gospel, redeemed by the gospel, grow in their relationship with one another, but most importantly, with God as they work out their faith. That is how you redeem the time. And there's a wonderful passage about this today that we'll finish on Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Take your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. And as we read Philippians chapter 2, some of your Bibles may have headlines in them. They have chapter and divisions, major themes. Um, in the New American Standard, chapter 2 of Philippians, it says this, Be like Christ. When I was coming up, it was be like Mike, right? Because our, our idol in basketball was Michael Jordan, and so it was be like Mike. And boy, they could sell a lot of merchandise and apparel and sports drinks and all that after following our favorite athlete back in the day. But for Christians, it's not about the merchandise, the apparel, the sports drinks, anything like that. It literally is about your good. It's about you as a believer in the body of Christ. And how does the body of Christ work the best when the believers in the body of Christ will choose to be like Christ? I've never found a perfect church. I've never met a perfect Christian. Now, I've, I've met some really great Christian people, right? But then you put them in a church with regular people like me, like you, and all of a sudden the church is like, it gives reason for people to go see all those Christians. And there's no church that's good, right? And I'm glad to be a part of that, aren't you? That means there's room in the family of God for all of us, thank the Lord. There's no perfect church, but how does a church become healthy? How do Christians redeem the time? How do they continue to move along as people that have been saved, but also begin to look like, act like they've been saved by Jesus. 
How, did it, how does that happen? In the community, learning to be like Christ. The Bible says this, chapter 2 of Philippians. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. What is that? To do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Let me read that again. I don't see a lot of this in our world. I think this is very important. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. And how can I do that as a person in the church, as a follower of Jesus? Verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason God highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then my beloved. Just as you have always obeyed. Not only in my presence but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling and disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. Holding fast the word of life. So that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory. Because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Paul says even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too I urge you. Rejoice in the same way. And share your joy with me. Now this passage, chapter 2, uh, is written to a church, a group of people just like you and I. It's written to a church that had some challenges, that had some disputes, that had some arguments, that had some cultural issues. Had a lot of things going on in the church. And Paul writes this. And as a matter of fact, chapter 2 of Philippians, actually in the New Testament, is one of the most beautiful chapters in all of Scripture. Because it gives this very condensed theological doctrinal treatise on who Jesus is. And the conclusion is, hey church, if you want to know how to redeem the time, act like Jesus. I mean, in these short 18 verses... Paul tells each and every one of the Christians in Philippi and the region 
hey, this is who Jesus is. And if you want to be able to live as lights in a crooked and perverse world, be like Christ. And that's a wonderful synopsis. So I could actually stop right now and we would get out really early today. Of course, then you online, you would be left without. So I, I want to break this passage down. I want to give you a life lesson as we finish today talking about redeeming the time. And specifically about being a part of the church where in the church we work out together our faith. How? With fear and trembling. We work together in our relationship with Christ and we work through things together as a church, even in a generation that's challenged. We work that out with fear and trembling. Here's a life lesson if you're taking notes, because I see in this passage really the final key to learn how to redeem the time in my actions, in my attitudes, um, with my resource, with my vision. I see how to do that and it always happens in the context of the church, the community of God, the fellowship of God, the body of Christ, the church. Life lesson, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. It's all about building relationships where we grow in and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us. Redeeming the time. It's all about building relationships where we grow in and we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us. It's all about the relationships that we are building in life. Both in the church, which is very important, and out of the church, which is also equally important. And in those relationships, we redeem the time as we share the gospel. Sharing the gospel doesn't only mean that we're trying to tell a person who doesn't know Christ personally yet how to get to know him. So many times in the church, the focus is on reaching those outside of the church. But when you go through purifying seasons in the church, like the last couple of years, where challenges and distractions and, and things begin to chip away at the belief systems of many people, and quite frankly, at the faith of some within the church, then what you begin to find is that, yes, it's one thing to share the gospel with an audience that's not listening. And eventually you go, gosh, that's not really working or helping very much. It's another thing to share in the life of Jesus and the gospel with those who are. With those who are in the church and with those who are genuinely interested in knowing about God's purpose and plan. Relationships in life are a God-given thing. We've learned the value of those in the last couple of years. But those relationships are intended for us to share the gospel. What's the God's gospel? The good news of God's saving love in my life. And I can share that with someone on the outside of the family who might be willing to listen but I'm guaranteed to be able to share and grow in that with those in the family. Because we're on the same team. Do you realize so many times the challenge that comes to the church is the same thing that happens when a good team begins to fragment, splinter, and fall apart? I mean, quite frankly, if you've been watching any of the uh, football playoffs and stuff, some of, the, some of the best teams that were supposed to be there playing for the Super Bowl are not there. And then what happens? Well, this person's fired and that person's moved out. You see, internally, when there's conflict and you're not playing together on the same team for the same goal, it always falls apart. And the church is no different. 
the church so many times, and Philippi was no different. Paul writes this letter to Christians in Philippi, and he says, look, you're on the same team, and Jesus is the head of the team. And those of you who are struggling and creating divisions, no, no, follow the example of Christ, and you will work through this challenging season that you're in. What a great reminder today when I look at this passage because as I read this chapter of Philippians, I get very thankful for the church. Broken, battered, challenged, but overcoming. Beautiful, wonderful, growing, unstoppable, gracious, learning, continuing to thrive in the midst of challenge, I get genuinely thankful for the church. The people that usually grow the least thankful for the church, quite frankly, are those of us who've been in it for the longest period of time because we've grown accustomed to it and we've stopped appreciating the grace, the goodness, what the church has meant to us. And so we take it for granted. Usually it's Christians. The world's always going to be against the church. But as Christians... Gosh, we get fragmented, we get distracted, we get bitter, we get angry. Something happened and it was broken, and so then we criticize. And this word that comes to the Philippian church helped them as much as it helps you and I today to realize the church, the community of God, the fellowship of believers is a part of sharing the gospel. It's a part of growing in your faith. Being connected to the church is a part of how you move forward, being directly involved in the body of Christ is how you overcome. And I think that message gets lost a lot in today's generation. And there are a lot of things that are put out there that are recommendations for how you can get better, how you can get stronger, how you can get wealthier, how you can do this. And what's funny is they don't work and they don't ultimately fulfill but then it's easy to point at a broken church and go, see, they don't have the answer either. Well, Paul would say, I beg to differ. And this is what he would say. Number one, when I think about the church, Paul talks about this. And I think this is a beautiful thing of the church. And this is what will help us redeem the time in 2022 and beyond. To be united in the fellowship of the Spirit. United in the fellowship of the Spirit. As Paul writes in the first couple of verses, look at what united in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit looks like. Number one, if there is any encouragement in Christ, does anybody need any encouragement ever? If there is any encouragement in Christ, where is the encouragement going to come from? The unity that happens only from the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in the children of God. That is where genuine unity comes from. That is where genuine family comes from, even though your family can come from all different backgrounds, races, cultures, and creeds. To be unified under Christ, there's nothing else in the world that will do that, guaranteed. Just watch. But what can do that? The unity of Christ that brings encouragement to your life. Encouragement because of what Christ can do, has done, and will do for you. That is what Paul says, the encouragement that comes from Christ. What about the consolation of love? To be loved genuinely and authentically and accepted even when you're going through difficult times. To be backed up, supported, and stood by even when you fail. Even when you struggle. 
the consolation of love. It's kind of like consolation. You think of consolation prize. What's the consolation prize? It's second place. <laughs> it's what happens when you don't win, right? But to be loved, accepted, and treated as a champion, even when you don't feel like it, that happens in the church. And it happens because of Christ, because that's what Christ does for all of his children. If there is any fellowship of the Spirit. Fellowship of the Spirit means that we want to be together, we want to grow together. And fellowship in the Spirit means that there's actually a bond of community that's happening. Now, um, typically, uh, this is the point where fellowship, we equate fellowship as Baptists with food. Right? But we never preach on gluttony. Uh-uh, we don't want to do that, right? Now, the reality is many times uh, fellowship is equated with food. And that's not just true of Baptists. That's true of all of us in New Orleans and the surrounding area, right? Because if we're going to get to know somebody, hey, you want to have lunch? You want to have dinner? You want to have a snack in between? We're always wanting to eat, right? Fellowship in the Spirit happens, though, at times over food or coffee or What's really happening in the fellowship of the Spirit? It means that my spirit is connected to your spirit because you're connected to Christ. And I'm connected to Christ. And therefore, I care about you and you care about me. And I want to grow in relationship with you, to know you, to help you. You help me. Iron sharpening iron. There is a sense of your good, my good, this camaraderie that develops in the church. Why? Because we have a lot in common? No, quite frankly, we may not have a lot in common. But we have the most important thing in common. And what is that? Our relationship to Christ. And therefore, there is this unity because we fellowship together with Christ. If there is any affection and compassion. If there is any joy, he talks about. Make it complete by maintaining the same mind, the same love, united in spirit and one intent on one purpose. These are all things that happen for the church when they are united for Christ. Now, Philippians is a fascinating book. I, I could have easily gone through the book of Philippians, but I didn't. But in chapter 4, what you find in Philippians is that there are two people in the church. They're actually called by name. We wouldn't dare do that today, right? Because um, that wouldn't be sensitive or appropriate. But there were two people specifically in the, in the church of Philippi that were causing problems. So Paul calls them out. Isn't that wild? But what they were doing was trying to disrupt the fellowship of the Spirit. And Paul says, look, if they're going to continue to act that way, they don't really even need to be a part of this fellowship. Wow, like, oh man, that you hurt my feelings, Paul, when you said that. But the reality is the fellowship of Jesus with the believers was that important. The, the unity was worth preserving for those who cling to Christ. As a matter of fact, the whole working out your faith with fear and trembling is Paul saying, I can't solve all of your problems for you, but work it out in Christ with fear and trembling. You can work this out. In Christ, with fear and trembling, you can work through those problems. Why? Because of a united front, because of Christ. One of the things I would tell you about Calvary very personally, if you haven't connected in group, use group link, been here on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., Wednesday night Bible study, or if you haven't seized the moment, and this is very important, 
for your children, your grandchildren, or your students to connect them into community, then I can tell you one of the most important things in your life in the generation ahead is to make sure that you as a family are reconnecting very intentionally and very deliberately back into the church, which is the body of Christ, which is unified by his spirit, and where your fellowship and their relationship and your relationship with Christ will grow. That's a part of the gospel. The gospel is not, I just got saved, and I show up when it's convenient for me. And by the way, nothing's been convenient the last couple of years, so what's happened? Not only have people stopped attending church, they've stopped growing in their faith. And quite frankly, in the last couple of years, the greater tragedy is that children are no longer being brought to church. You realize the generation that's most concerned about the effects of the virus are the ones who have the little ones. And so they're staying at home. They're staying away from church. They're disconnecting from community and fellowship. And they're isolating. And by the way, the digital Zoom response to that is, I think I can build a network of relationships and support through a device. Well, it's kind of like the Millers versus the machines, if you've seen that, right? Devices are going to take over the world eventually. They'll never replace the fellowship of the Spirit. I can't feel your spirit through a device, even though I may have a thousand, a million, however many friends and followers you have. I don't know your spirit. But if I fellowship with you in the body of Christ people who are growing in relationship with Christ, who genuinely are experiencing the gospel, not just the salvation side, which is the first step, but the life relationship side. When I connect to that, that's when unity, fellowship, the spirit, my faith, the gospel grows. And so I would just tell you, 2022 needs to be the year that you get back to church. That you get back to redeeming the most important part of your life, which is the community of believers growing in the gospel together. Do we all have it figured out? Absolutely not. Do we all always have the answers? No. You plan one thing and God throws a curveball, it seems, and it didn't work out the way you wanted. But to be together with people who are with you because of the unity of the Spirit, no better place to be. And that's how you redeem the time. Here's the second thing that Paul talks about. And it is that beautiful hymn about Jesus. I redeem the time by building relationships where I grow in and share the gospel with the people around me. How do I do that? United in the fellowship of the Spirit. Joining community. Encouragement. Here at Calvary, getting connected into groups. Whether it's 9 a.m. Wednesday. Off campus. Men's groups. Women's groups. But making sure also your children. All of that is very important. But the second way that I do that is by following the example of Christ. Following the example of Christ. Let's look at verse 3 and 4 again. Does this sound like us normally and naturally? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. <laughs> that doesn't sound like many people I know naturally. Especially when I look at the world, right? But with humility of mind, regard someone else as more important than myself. That doesn't sound like a lot of people I know. Regarding someone else is more important. Thinking your needs are more important than my needs. 
thinking what's important and good for you is more important than what's important and good for me. That doesn't happen naturally. Do not look out for your own interest merely, but also for the interest of others. When I think about that challenge just at the core, it's hard to find an example of an individual who lives that way. I mean, if you think about the people that we follow in the world or the people that dominate the news, usually they're politicians, movie stars, singers, and athletes. When you think about the people who get all the press, all the attention, um, and usually all of the money that follows that, but if you break down usually their lifestyle, their interest is not that your interest would be elevated above their interest. Their interest is to make money off of us. <laughs> and they get usually all of the press, all of the influence, and usually all of the followers. Jesus paints a model for real people. For people who live real lives. Who need a real savior. And he says, you want to truly live, if you want to truly have influence, if you want to truly feel what it means to be connected to God, don't live for yourself, live for someone else. And how in the world is that possible? I mean, I'd look at the world and I would almost say it's not. I would almost say you'll never get ahead if that's the model. And then one of the most beautiful hymns in New Testament history is penned by Paul. And he shares this as a reminder to the church. And this is what it was. And you read it. How do we do that? Have this attitude in yourself, which was in Christ Jesus. Who although, look at this, he existed in the form of God. And yet he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now in our modern language and translation, we read that and we go, Oh, isn't he so nice and humble and... And we may not understand the full meaning of that. Matter of fact, this passage, for some people, they've debated, debated this theologically for years. But this is really what it breaks down. Jesus was God, but he chose not to leverage his God-like power over people while he was here. Think about it. Make Jesus mad. He's God. What could he do? <laughs> um, Spit on Jesus while he's going to the cross. Slap him and ask him who slapped you. All of those moments when you think about what Jesus went through. And he's God. What did he choose not to do? To use his godness against us. That's what he's saying. Jesus was humbled to the point of saying, I'm fully human. I will experience every emotion feeling, circumstance that people will experience so that I can be united with them and I'm not going to use the fact that I'm God to wipe them out, destroy them, judge them. I'm just not going to do that. That's the example of Christ. And because of the example of Christ who was fully God and fully human, he took on the form of a servant and though he was man, he humbled himself and became, look at this, obedient. He simply said, my pathway in life is to be obedient to what God has told me. Obedient even to the point of death. Death on a cross. And then the Bible goes into the second part. Paul goes into the second part of this hymn. Who because of his obedience, God will exalt him. Because he humbled himself and basically he put 
others above himself. Because he did that, God will exalt him and give him this name, Lord. Everybody will acknowledge Christ is Lord. And then he goes into this part of this hymn where he says, everyone will acknowledge Jesus Christ is Lord. That Lord part is very important. But then he categorizes people, those in heaven, Woo, that's great. That's where all of the believers and the saints are. And that's where we want to be, right? Those on the earth, that would be us today. Those of us who are still here and we trust Christ and we're united to Christ. And then he says, and those who are under the earth. Which is a very clear reference to all those separated from God because they don't trust him, don't believe him, and don't believe in Christ. Is he still Lord over all of those who don't believe him, don't trust him, and don't want to follow him? Yes. That's how significant the gospel, the good news of Jesus is. Is that he would save those who would believe, but even those who don't, one day will go, well, I messed that one up. <laughs> I did it my way. I didn't believe Jesus, you're Lord, you're God, you were right, I was wrong. And there's no other way then for people to come to know that message without the third and the final thing. And that is a church who shares the word of life. You see, I redeem the time not only by being united in the fellowship of the Spirit, following the example of Jesus, because that's the only way for me to ultimately be redeemed and redeem the time, but by being involved with a community of faith, a fellowship of faith that is active in sharing the word of life. As Paul finishes that hymn, he then gets very personal. My beloved... Just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not just saying, whatever you think, whatever you feel, just work it out. He's very clearly talking to the church redeemed by Jesus, period. He's very clearly talking to people gathered together in community, working together to figure out life because they've been saved by Jesus and they live in a broken, fallen world. And with that, he calls them beloved. He acknowledges that he doesn't always have to be there as Paul the apostle, that they can also work together through things as the fellowship of the Spirit. Do this without grumbling. Do this without complaining. Prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Shine as a light in this world. When I look at this last passage, it's sharing the word of life, working in community with brothers and sisters, the beloved, the family of faith, my church, your church, wherever that may be, even for some of you who are attending online and you're connected here from a distance. And if you're regionally, you need to connect in person. If you're from a distance, then where you are, where you're serving, beloved, connect into that body and help the church of Christ there grow and thrive. Being a part of the gospel body of Christ to share the word of life, both with those who are in the church growing together, means that we also can do so with those who are outside of the church. 
And there's this wonderful balance. Because so many times, and I would even say many times, for Baptists in particular, and, and maybe for Protestants across the board, the emphasis so many times is on sharing the gospel with somebody out there. But that's only one part of the gospel. The other part of the good news is that I get to share life with those in here. I get to share life with those who are saved. Can you imagine going through your whole life trying to share the gospel? And some of you may feel this. Share the good news of Jesus that saved you. And you know he saved you. And you know he's rescued you. And you know he's redeemed you. And you try to share that with coworkers and friends and people you're connected with. And nobody listens. Can you imagine how discouraging that would be? It almost might make you think, well, I'm just not going to share the gospel anymore because nobody's listening, right? And maybe that's where you might be as a Christian today. You've become silenced in sharing the gospel because out there, nobody's listening. But what about in here? What about in the body? You see, in the body, when I'm growing in the gospel, sharing in the gospel, growing in my relationship with God, do you know what happens in the body? When I'm in the fellowship, when I'm learning and growing and following the example of Christ, it charges me up. It gives me in the encouragement, right, of the Spirit. It gives me the consolation of love. It gives me the compassion and all these things that Paul talked about in the fellowship of the Spirit. And therefore, then, I want to follow Christ more. And because I'm sharing in the gospel with the people in the body of Christ, then I get ready to go back out into a world that's not listening. And then one day, you show up at the gym and somebody says, Hey, what do you do? Hey, man, that's interesting. You know, I've been looking for a church home. Hey, I've been thinking about growing closer to God and getting spiritually right. And all of a sudden, after all that time of not listening, because you shared in the gospel, in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you're following Christ with the people of Christ and the community of Christ, the church, then someone else out there in a world that's perverse and crooked and broken, goes, you know what, it's not working out here. I'd like to learn more about it. And then all of a sudden, you get the privilege personally of bringing someone else into the family of faith through the gospel, through the message of Jesus Christ, because you were sharing life with other people that were behind you. You were learning and working it out together in the scripture. You're growing in your faith, and all of a sudden, your life becomes effective, and you lead someone to Jesus. Someone said to me after church last week, God, Gosh, Michael, you were really excited about Chris last week. Remember Chris's baptism last week? And I said, yeah, I was really excited about Chris because it was 13 and a half years. 13 and a half years of wandering, brokenness, things that were very personal. 13 and a half years. And then one day he's like, enough is enough. I'm ready. And I want to get right with Christ. There's nothing great about how did that happen? You, us, we, the body of Christ working together, sharing life together in the gospel because of relationships. And I want to challenge you, and I think this is the word to finish on today. As the church, as we move forward in 2022, as you continue to connect online, but to take the next step of faith, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. But make sure that you find your place in the unity of the Spirit, 
following the example of Christ, sharing in the gospel together with the community of the church. And I mean specifically, for those of you listening today, Calvary. Because as you do that, then in 2022, you move beyond all the noise. You continue to thrive and grow, and you will be redeeming your time. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit that's even right now solidifying faith for some, unifying in holiness and healing the bond of fellowship for others, and most importantly, God, strengthening your church so that your children will shine as lights in the world, that they will prove to be children of God, the beloved even in a world that's gone crazy. I'm so thankful today for the church, specifically today on our small corner of the planet. I thank you for the people here at Calvary, a family of faith that's learning to live on mission with you, Jesus, to impact and change our world. Today, God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Spirit alone, that you will speak to each and every heart, mine, theirs, those of the family online, every heart, and that you will unify us stronger in our faith and our relationship with Christ and one another to accomplish more because of you and with you in the gospel, in Jesus' name, amen. The church the body of Christ, the community, the fellowship of the Spirit united with Him. And that's how you redeem the time. That's how I as a person, you as a person, we together as a family continue to grow even in this generation, shining as lights in the world. So I want to thank you for your commitment. I want to challenge some of you who have been faithful online, but it's the next step. It's coming. Look, it's time. Trust the Lord. Don't get lost in the generational challenges. Trust in the Lord continue to move forward because that's how the church has always been, always responded in every generation. Thank you for your faithfulness. Last week, by the way, we put out last year's budget and the year before that. We're just faithfully holding tight, being wise with the stewardship. So that budget, if you wanted to be able to look at it, you can grab that from the guest booth in the back. So make sure that you take a look at that. We've looked at that and talked about tithes and offerings. We talked about vision. Being a part of the church gives you a vision for your life, how to thrive no matter where you are and where you go. God's church, God's children, united in his spirit, can overcome anything. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for all of you. And I look forward to what God is going to continue to do as we're faithful in our attendance, faithful in our community, faithful in our giving, and faithful in living in relationship in the gospel with one another. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing one more song as we conclude services today, and we're going to worship our King of Kings, Jesus Christ, the Lord.